0: Welcome back to the God Notes Podcast. My name is Justin Lena. As always, I'm so glad to have you guys here with me today. I was hoping that this would get to be the first video podcast on the platform. We, of course, post everything to YouTube, and you may be watching this on that platform. But we've been working towards actually having video production, video output for these podcasts. And so we bought different equipment and things like that to hopefully make it work. And sadly, we're still just not there with new equipment comes new problems, new frustrations, and new struggles. And we thought we had everything figured out yesterday. Come in here to record today, and we're getting the tracking blocks on our face from the autofocus on the cameras. I am not sure how to get rid of that or what to do about that right now. Um, We were hoping to be able just to record straight to our new switcher, but it's not working out. That's not what you're here for. Hopefully, within the next week or so, we'll get these bugs worked out. We'll get the kinks worked out and really figure out what we need to do to get video working, and that will be coming very soon, even if it means I've got to go buy new cameras because that's the point that I'm at. I've already put all the rest of the money in. We're going to make this work. We are going to put out video content one way or another. We're going to get there because I think that's what the next step in this online ministry is, in reaching people and connecting with people through video content because of all that's going to allow us to do. But anyways, again, that's not what you guys are here to talk about. You guys are here to talk about God notes, the little things, the little things from study, just little things that stuck out. And because of the complications I already had today, I am going to have to cut this episode short, so we're only going to look at two God notes today, but they are two that I thought were very important and very powerful and I think could really help somebody. The first one is talking about the power of a simple message from a transformed life. And the second is talking about how nothing stopped the apostles. So why does everything seem to stop us? So let's back up. Let's start with that first one, the power of a simple message from a transformed life. And I want to read you um, a passage from the book of Acts that really inspired this. This is what I was reading whenever God kind of hit me with this, when God showed me this, however you want to look at it, whenever this idea, this concept, this understanding popped into my mind terminology messes a lot of people up. Whatever way you want to think about it, when I got this little note, when I took this note down, this is the verse that I was reading. It's from Acts chapter 9, verses 20 and 22. It says, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus, he being Paul, immediately Paul proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? and has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ so this verse takes place right after Paul's salvation that's why it says and immediately Paul got saved Paul's eyes were open he spent that time with Ananias and then it says immediately he went and pro- began to proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah in the synagogues. Immediately, he didn't wait, but he took his message and his transformed life and began to use those as effective tools for evangelism. And really, Paul already had a very effective ministry. Just in that moment, he had an effective ministry, and he could have stopped there. He could have been content with the message that he had and those that he was able to reach. But he wasn't. He made his purpose in life to grow closer to the Lord and reach every thing, reach everyone. He possibly could with the good news that sets captives free. He wanted all people to share in the blessed faith that he had come to possess. There's great power in a simple message from Redeemed Life, but that doesn't mean we should stop at that. Allow God to use your story and past reputation to speak volumes to those you knew, but also make the effort to grow in Christ, your knowledge of truth, and effectively reach the world. you got to think about what Paul was doing here. Paul was having a great impact. And that's what we need to understand first and foremost, because there's two sides of every coin, and there's a lot of people who struggle up front, who struggle with the idea of letting themselves share the truth that they have about Jesus, sharing it, because they think that they need to have an impressive message, that they need to have an impressive speech, that they need to know so much of this or so much of that before they're able to just share their faith. But that's not what we see in the Bible. For instance, we don't see that with Paul. He says immediately he went and began to proclaim who Jesus was, but it also says that he grew in faith and in knowledge later. And so Paul took what he had immediately and began to share that with others who he knew needed the very same things. That's an interesting thing to think about. It's a very important thing to think about. But we also need to um, realize in that that we don't have to have a special language. We don't have to know certain things, but we can take what we do know. If you know enough to be saved, I've said this many times on various episodes of the podcast, If you know enough to be saved, then you know enough to lead others to salvation. If you know who Christ is, if you have faith in Christ as the redeemed Son of God, if you know the plan of salvation as shown in Acts 2.38, then you know enough to lead other people to that very same salvation. It doesn't take a theological degree. It doesn't take going to seminary to be able to share your heart and to share your faith of Christ with other people. We can have an effective and powerful ministry with a transformed life. When we come to God and begin to take that message of God to other people, we can have an effective work an effective ministry. Just like Paul did, he was already touching the lives of people. But the other half of that coin is that a lot of people want to just stay in that world. They just want to talk about their testimony. They just want to stay in that realm, that early side of Christianity. They want to stay in the side of milk instead of turning to the meat. But we need to do all that. We need to grow in our faith in our walk with God. And we can use our testimony throughout our whole lives. Paul never changed from using his testimony, but he also found other ways to reach other demographics of people, maybe those who didn't even know his past. Because your past is can have an effect greater on those who knew you then and now see you change than it can often on those who never knew you. That doesn't mean that it can't affect them in some way, but it's not gonna have the same effect. There's not going to be people saying, well, isn't this that guy? The people in this verse knew exactly who Paul was, exactly what Paul had been doing, and now saw that he had completely done a 180. That had a massive impact on their lives and their view of God, therefore, after that. That's an important thing to remember. But we need to study. We need to take the time to grow closer to God, and we need to do more in our ministries to have an effective work for God. We all have a ministry. Whether you realize it or not, whether if you think you're just a pew-warming Christian and that's all that God has for you, then you're wrong. You have a place. You have a workplace. You have places to share your faith. But you need to grow in those things as well. Paul wasn't content with the idea of all I'm ever going to do is be known as what I used to be, and all I'm going to do is share that and share this limited knowledge of Christ that I have. Paul said, I'm going to learn as much as I can about God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to study. I'm going to fast. I'm going to go closer to God. And then I'm going to use all of that that I gained in growing closer to God to more effectively reach this world. And that's just what he did. And that's why I believe why God used him to write much of our New Testament and still affect our lives in the faith today. God tells us to use Paul as an example. And one of Paul's examples is to, one, when you become saved, just share that faith with other people. Don't be worried. Don't be concerned. If you truly know enough to be saved, then you truly know enough to just share simple faith with other people. And that can be a powerfully life-changing message. And it can be even more powerful in those who knew you when you were a sinful person, when you were a wicked person, when you wouldn't step foot in a church. When you go to them and they see a transformed life and they see how different you are, that can have an effect on their life. But we need to imitate Paul in the fact that he also learned more. We've got to not stop, but we've got to constantly be seeking after more and trying to have that thing. But even when we have more knowledge, Paul said he didn't go to a lot of these places with you know man's wisdom and high-sounding speech and all those things, but he simply came and shared the message of Christ. The message should remain simple. We shouldn't be proclaiming a message that people can't understand. We shouldn't be using grand theological terms that common people, the people who need God, don't understand. We need to speak in ways that, open the blind eyes to God, people who don't know Christianese, when they don't know our little sayings, the little words that we throw back and forth, things that we say without thinking about it, but require further explanation for those who didn't grow up in the church, for those who don't know God. We need to keep our message simple. There is power in a simple message. It's interesting to think how much testimony had a play in the Bible, because the testimony is one the greatest tool you have, but it's also the simplest because you don't have to know that much. All you have to know is your story, your encounter with God, and what changed in your life, which is all things that you know because you experienced it firsthand. Your firsthand experience is a great tool to win lost souls. I think it's interesting because when Jesus cast the demons out of the the demoniac into the pigs, and they got ready to go on the ship because, not the pigs, When Jesus and his disciples got ready to go back on the ship, Jesus said, no, no, you stay here. That man wanted to go with Jesus, but he said, no, you stay here because you're going to be able to reach people and go forward and tell your story to all these people. And it had a great impact, and Jesus' name grew in that area, even though Jesus had only done one miracle there for one man. People knew the reputation of that man, and so Jesus left him there so that he would have the most effective work with his testimony. If they had taken this man to other places, people wouldn't have known of him. People wouldn't have known that story to be true. It wouldn't have been effective. But he was able to reach his own town, his hometown, because they knew of him. That's what gave power to his simple message. And that's what gave power to Paul's simple message, and that's what's given power to other simple messages all throughout time. It's the fact that people knew what you were like and now know that you're different. that gives power to that message. And there's the on- that's not the only way find power in a simple message either. The more that I think about this, it just, it keeps coming up, and I hope I'm not repeating too much, but the reason that there's power in a simple message is simply because people can understand it. They can relate to it. They know what you're saying. If you talk things above somebody's head, there's not going to be power in those statements. They may think that you're smart or you're great, but they're never going to experience the power of God through those things because they can't understand them. Instead, they need simple gospel truth. All are sinners, separated from the glory of God. We know that God exists because of the consciences that we have that tell us when we do wrong and when we do right, we're all aware of it. But Jesus came to this world to make a way that we could be saved. Because of our sins, we all deserve the penalty of death. We all deserved hell. But God made a way that we would not be Forced to face that eternity, but could be blessed to be with him in heaven for all time. God's offering salvation. That's the simple message. That's the kind of words people need. Obviously, other people may need different things. We may have to go in more details on this or that, but the message can be that simple. Just sharing the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that ever who believe on him shall not perish, but shall receive everlasting life. That's the simplicity of the gospel message, and that's the message that saves our souls. Yes, there's further teaching. Yes, there's many more important things. That's why our Bibles are so big. There's so many life lessons, so many things to be taught, so many things to be learned within the pages of the Bible. But that whole message points to the gospel message, to the simple message of salvation, of truth, of the forgiveness of sins, in which all people need. So let us focus on the power of a simple message. Let's not focus on, oh, I've just got to learn more and know more before I can begin to share my faith. No. There may be questions that are posed that you don't know the answers to, and that's still not something to be afraid of. That's something to say, I'm not sure about that. I'll go do some research. I'll talk to my pastor, and I will get you an answer to that very good and very tough question. And we should be thankful when people ask us tough questions because, one, that means they've thought about these issues, and two, It prepares us for the next opportunity that we have to share with somebody else once we find out the answer to the question that they were asking. What a blessing that alone is, to be able to ask people to ask you the right questions. I'll be honest, a lot of podcast episodes in the past, a lot of articles I've written on other websites, a lot of videos and all those things, a lot of content that I've produced online came from people asking me tough questions and me wanting to provide the correct answer. Questions are a great thing. We don't need to be afraid of questions. And there's a lot of questions that you probably already know the answers to. Because a lot of the things that people ask are actually pretty simple and not as difficult to figure out as they may believe they are or as people on the internet, atheists on the internet, want to convince you that they are. All right, so let's just go ahead and move on to the next note. On today's podcast, nothing stopped them. Why does everything stop us? The book of Acts has to be one of my favorite books of the Bible. And we can learn so much about how our faith should be put into action. We had a first hand example of living for God within its pages. What really amazes me is the boldness of the early church. They faced fierce opposition at every turn and never gave up. Instead, they kept pushing forward. If they were ran out of one town, They simply started preaching again. And the next, an interesting thing to think about that is that Paul scattered a lot of people because of his persecution of the church before his salvation. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was persecuting the church. And that scattered a lot of the the Jewish Christians out to different lands. But what's amazing is when you look at that, people like Philip, people like other apostles, when they were scattered, they didn't think, I'm not gonna talk about that anymore because that about got me killed. No, they said, I may be running from this guy, but I'm going to be running to somebody else to tell them about Jesus. They were not afraid. They were not ashamed. Wherever they went, they preached the gospel, even when facing severe persecution. Throw them in prison for preaching the gospel, and the first thing they'll do once they get out is start preaching the same message that they were first thrown in prison for. Nothing can stop these great men of faith the more opposition and persecution they face, the harder they work to spread the gospel message, which stands in stark contrast to the modern church, and which we'll give up simply because our day didn't go the way that we hoped it would. We wake up late for work and think, well, I woke up late, I guess God hates me now, or I spilled some coffee, so the whole day's ruined, I don't know why God caused this to happen to me. Those are the kind of questions that we in the modern church often ask. We allow the smallest of difficulties to keep us from living out the call that God has placed on our lives, let alone actual spiritual battles, the things like these men and women of the faith faced in the days of the early church. We hardly face such persecution, such trials, such adversities, yet we treat the minute little things that happen to us as though God was against us. That's the way that we think is the modern church, and we allow it to stop us. Really, we struggle to even face the same spiritual battles that they did because we're no threat to the enemy. We're we're not like the great men of faith who came before us, who toiled and labored to set the foundations that we have in the church today. Why do we allow things to stop us that would have only pushed the early church to go further? It shouldn't be this way, especially not as we look out on our world, or at least in the U.S., a country that has fallen so far. The lazy, lackadaisical, and timid approach to the faith is what has led to the state of our country today. Because the church body has become weak and no longer shares the strength that it was founded upon, it is time for every believer to pray the prayer of those early believers found in Acts chapter 4, verses 29-31. through 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus Christ and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god in boldness you got to think about when they prayed this prayer they had already showed themselves to be bold by preaching without hesitation before all people to hear but then they prayed another prayer for god to give them more of the same thing. And clearly, this is a prayer that God is willing to respond to, because we see that he shook the room, that he filled them again with the Holy Ghost and with a new refreshment of his spirit, and that they walked forth in continued and fervent boldness to preach the word of God before all people. How much more do we, lacking this same boldness, need to pray this very same prayer. The days are short, and the time of the end is drawing ever closer. That much is clear by the signs of the times. It's hard to know how much time is left, but one thing is abundantly clear and has stood true throughout the church age. Now is not the time to be stopped by difficulty, persecution, or spiritual oppression. Even if the Lord tarries, we don't need to allow countless souls to end up in hell because we were unwilling to speak out in the faith. Because we were afraid of what was going to happen to us. Because we were afraid of persecution. I've been reading a lot of books recently. And I don't know if that's God leading me on something or not. But I've been reading a lot of books recently. One is called, um, what was it, Martyred for the Faith? But it was about uh, Christians in communist countries and all that they faced. It was a book by Voices of the Martyrs, uh, by the founder of Voices of the Martyrs, who faced severe pers- persecution in, in communist Romania for his Christian faith. And it's amazing to see what those men and women faced in prisons and in beatings and in poverty, yet would never deny the name of Christ, would never give up, would never start pushing, and rarely questioned God for the severe and painful circumstances that they were in. And in like manner, I've been reading a book today about missionaries to South America, to unreached tribes in the early 50s in Ecuador reaching people that they had to fight and battle and, and grind out a living just to make it to these people, just to learn the language of these people that wasn't written. They didn't have a written language that they could study. They had to learn it through observation, through hearing, and through a, a little bit of help. That's what they did, all to further the message of Jesus Christ. And these men, like others, died for the faith. But they were happy to do it, and they mentioned that multiple times in their previous writings before their martyrdom. They write about how they were willing to do anything to be able to reach these people. And ultimately it worked, but that was their willingness to serve God. We lack that fire and that passion that was alive in our country even 70 years ago. It's amazing for me to read that book and look at how many of these men wanted to go be missionaries in these countries and that it almost just seems normal, and that there was so much preparation and preparedness and and opportunities to do these things, and, and I'm sure that there still are, but it just seems different when you read it in the context that it's in then, and their willingness to go out and serve and to face things, and it was the persecution, they had no fear of it. Instead, it was the idea of reaching people no matter what that drove them, and we stand in a country today that looks more like it's in need of a mission field than other countries outside. I've heard that people from Africa, churches in Africa, are sending African missionaries to America to preach and teach our people because they see the fallen state of this country. And it's because we as Christians allow the minute little roadblocks to stop us from performing the will and the duty that God has placed in our life. This is the time to allow persecution to drive us forward, to not stop us, but to realize that if we are being attacked, if we are facing struggles, if we are facing challenges in life, that it's time to push harder than we ever have before because it means we're on the right track. The Bible didn't say to be surprised by the fiery trials. It said to not be surprised by the fiery trials. Peter made it clear in his letter that we should expect to face difficult times and persecutions if we are living the righteous life for God. And Jesus said the very same thing. Things. He said the world would hate us because it first hated him. Why can we not accept that in our hearts? Why do we have to think that every struggle, every adversity, every challenge that we face in this world, if the dryer breaks, the devil's after us, God doesn't love us, and the world's falling apart? But these men and women, both in the biblical times and in even more modern times, knew that God was not the problem. God was not the one who caused wickedness in their life. We are living in a fallen and broken world, and bad things are going to come, and bad things are going to happen, but they can't stop us from the purpose that God has given us. We can't allow these devilish distractions to stop us from the godly purpose that we have in our life. If the devil is lobbing things at you, it's because he wants to take your focus off of the things that really matter, and the things that really matter are reaching other souls for God. Again, we live in a country that used to be known as a Christian nation. We were built upon the pillars and the foundations of faith, and that has been lost in our world because over time we have become comfortable, we have become distracted, and we have become given to many false ideologies and doctrines in this country. Please God, that that's not been the case in the apostolic church. But it's sad to look out on the landscape of other churches who used to live so much more of a holy and righteous life in line with biblical truth than they do now. And today what we see are silent faces sitting on pews saying they believe in this, but unwilling to share that life-saving belief with anybody else that they can. We need to become like those men in the book of Acts, and even those men that I'm talking about from modern days who were willing to do anything to send forward the gospel message, who could not be stopped but kept working to further the gospel no matter what the cost was to themselves. Every Christian shares the commission to go forth into all nations making disciples. And this lost and dying world needs a life-saving truth that we have. Why don't we want to give it to them? We can see they're hungry. We can see they're struggling. That's why there's suicide. That's why there's shootings. That's why there's drug addiction. That's why there's the sorrow and the hurt in our world today, and even amongst those who claim to be Christians. We would know, if we would just reach into their lives and touch them with the gospel, that they don't know and understand the truth in the way that they claim. They've been sitting on pews, they've been going to the church, but they've never been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which is what they need to transform their lives. But how will they know unless someone tells them, unless someone's not afraid, is not timid, but is bold in the faith? And that boldness is only gonna come through our prayer and seeking after God for such a blessed gift in a time of need as this. Don't we realize the great thing that we have and that we have the ability to give it to all people freely? Freely have you received freely give it to everybody else. God gave it to you freely so that you may share it with the world. And may we do that through not just our tithes and offerings. You may believe that giving is enough financially, but that's not the purpose and the point of our lives. That's not what we've been called to do is just to simply be financial givers. But we are called to reach those in our circles. We may not be evangelists. We may not be preachers. We may not have a podcast or a social media platform, but that does not deny the fact that we have a verbal and a truthful message to deliver unto this lost and dying world. You have a purpose and a plan. God has those for you. God has a purpose for your life. That's why you have breath in your lungs. This is not paradise. This is a fallen, broken world. Paradise awaits us on the other side of of death. And so we have to believe that as long as God is keeping us in this fallen and broken world where we will suffer sorrow, pain, Hurt and sadness. But we have another place that God wants to take us to that doesn't have those things. We must believe that if we are here facing the trials of this life, that God has a purpose and a plan in it. That God has something for us here to accomplish before He takes us to our true home. For Christians, death is not the end. Oh, death, where is your sting? I'm not afraid of death because I know what awaits me on the other side. Praise God for that truth. And we should live as though we really believe that to be true in our lives. The way that we live, the way that we view and think about death, shows whether or not we hold those verses to fullness of truth. You have the ability, as a born-again Christian, to take people to change they need to have, peace in this life, and eternity in heaven. We possess a greater cure to cancer because it isn't temporal. Doctors. Even scientists may be able to figure out a cure to cancer, but what they'll never figure out the cure to is death. But as Christians, we have that cure already. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's through those steps, it's through those blessings, that we inherit eternal life through our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith that drives us to live a life of holiness, And biblical truth. We possess that greater cure. We have a cure not to an ailment, not to something that's temporary, but we have a cure that is eternal and provides eternal life. It solves the greatest problem and defeats the greatest adversary of the human race, death. What greater thing to give out? The early church knew this, and that's why nothing could stop them don't allow anything to stop you either. It's time to be bolder in the faith and push harder than we ever have before. Now is the time to stop giving up and giving in. It's the time to work the harvest. Jesus said it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That is still true in our world today. The sign that the harvest is ready is by looking around our world and seeing lost, broken, and dying people. They're ready to be harvested. They're ripe for their harvest. They're showing their need in their wickedness, in their search for something more all the time, unable to find it in the things of this world. They show us that they're ready to be harvested, but few are paying attention. Few walk out of their churches and are ready to step into their harvest fields, even though they go to a field every day, their field of employment, their field of expertise. And it's the field that God's called you to and placed you in to have an, uh, an impact in this world. Let us not neglect these things. Let us realize that nothing should stop us. Nothing stopped those before us, so nothing should stop those of us living today. Don't allow the little struggles, the problems you face. I know they seem big to you, and I'm not trying to degrade the situation that anybody is in, but what I am trying to say is, is that we still have a purpose in this life, and we shouldn't allow things to slow us down or to stop us. But we should use all the energy we have and all the power we have in our bodies to reach out into this world and to try to do the most effective and best work that we can. For the Lord taking, as we talked about before, just a simple message, a simple message of Jesus Christ and sharing it with as many people as we can, explaining our transformed life if they don't know it, and allowing others to witness our transformed life. The anger is gone. The addiction is gone. And praise God, we are living and serving him to the very best of our abilities. That's all that I've got for you guys this week. I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I got a little intense there. I'm trying to come down off of that, that Holy Ghost moment there. I'm not angry. I'm anointed, as my pastor says. I'm just fired up in the belief that there's so much more that we could do for God, but we allow ourselves to become distracted. And it's such a problem in our world today, something that we each individually need to figure out how to overcome so that we can do and fulfill the purpose that God has given us all. I pray that you would help us if you enjoyed this podcast, that you would subscribe, that you would stay tuned for more content. Again, video content is coming very soon. Um, and you won't want to miss whenever we finally figure that, hopefully by Friday, for the Better Together podcast that shows up in this same stream or same YouTube channel, wherever you're listening from right now. Um, you're not going to want to miss that. When we finally get the video, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be able to clip the shows and share little things. So you'll want to subscribe to us on YouTube if you just want to be able to catch shorter snippets that maybe are more applicable to you, especially with this podcast. It'll be nice to be able to cut those things up and have, you know, on this episode, I'd have two. Short form videos, short is a you know, air quotes there because that last segment was a little long, but you're not going to miss those things. So, please help us by doing those things and help us by sharing if you have the ability. We'd really appreciate it sharing, commenting, liking, and you know, rating if you're on Apple, iTunes, things like that. They really help us out a whole lot. They help us to reach new people, they help us to get our content pushed further, and we are growing every day. But it always helps when you have community support and engagement to help us grow. And it really helps us to know that you're there, you're paying attention, and that you enjoy the content that we're putting out. If you have critiques, criticism, questions, let us know in the comment sections, or you can email us at moregodlessmepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to even answer your questions on future episodes of the podcast. Whatever it is, we want to talk about it. We want to hear from you. Until I see you on Friday for the Better Together podcast, I hope that you have a great rest of your week, and God bless.